Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Hi, and welcome to Women on the Line, Community Radio's National Women's Current Affairs Program. Produced at 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne and broadcast on the Community Radio Network. I'm Amy Middleton. Hello, Amy Middleton here. Welcome to Women on the Line. Cherche La Femme is a Melbourne-based feminist group which presents conversation nights involving, quote, thoughtful, uncensored and irreverent takes on pop culture and current affairs from an unreservedly feminist angle. That description was lifted from their website. The group hit the media this week in a massive way after Facebook rejected an ad that they'd posted for their upcoming event, Feminism and Fat. The ad featured an image of Tess Holliday, who is a well-known US-based plus-size model who's been on the cover of People magazine. Um, Tess was also named by Vogue Italia as one of the top six plus-size models in the world. According to Facebook, the image of a plus-size model in a bikini violated the company's ad guidelines. The response from Facebook read, Quote, ads like these are not allowed since they make viewers feel bad about themselves. Instead, we recommend using an image of a relevant activity such as running or riding a bike. Facebook's censorship guidelines, uh, you might remember, have come under fire recently. Um, images of an Aboriginal woman engaging in ceremonial dance uh, were banned for nudity. And there's also been plenty of backlash about the website's guidelines around images of breastfeeding. So following the ad rejection, Cherche La Femme producer Jessamy Gleason wrote a message on the group's Facebook page in order to get the word out about the decision. We're raging pretty hard over here, writes Gleason, both because Facebook seemingly has no idea that plus-sized, self-describing fat women can feel great about themselves and also because we haven't been able to boost the original damn post. Well, we're raging too. Women on the Line has a long history of partnership with Jersey LFM. Regular listeners would have heard podcasts of the group's conversations on episodes of this program over the years, and we're keen to show our support. So Facebook ended up apologising, uh, and their apology, understandably, was shared widely on social media. In the apology, a Facebook team member wrote, quote, Our policies are in place to protect the community from offensive ads. This is not the case here, and I'm sorry for our incorrect review. This story about Cherche La Femme was covered by International Business Times UK, The Guardian, Mashable, The South China Morning Post, The Irish Mirror, as well as our own Daily Telegraph and women's news website Daily Life, among others. Controversies like this one uh, serve as a reminder that technology and social media can serve as roadblocks as well as facilitators when it comes to spreading messages of social justice. 
It's really not a fun process for those engaged in the controversy, but it's worth remembering that when our voices sing out in opposition, at least these issues are raised in the public arena. We also wish to express at this time our support for Tess Holiday, the plus-size model and all-round superstar, particularly for her ability to laugh in the face of ignorance. And that was a quote from Tess Holiday's Facebook page, um, which she posted underneath an amazing photo of herself, 30 weeks pregnant, in the bath, with a wonderfully cavalier facial expression and her famous hashtag, F Your Beauty Standards. We suggest you follow Tess Holiday's Facebook page for similar examples of body positive and delightfully feminist posts. Now to share the love and show our support a little bit more, please enjoy a conversation from Cherche Lafemme's Feminist and the Left event, which took place in September last year. Um, this episode also includes some really exemplary clips uh, and a good overview of the Cherche Lafemme manifesto, as detailed by founder Karen Pickering, who hosts the following session. Uh, and in terms of the next Cherche La Femme event, uh, obviously titled Feminism and Fat, it takes place on June 7 uh, and promises to be a cracker. It features Jenny Lee, Elise Lithgow and Melissa Dorr, and tickets are available from the Cherche La Femme website, cherchelafemme.com. Um, for those that can't make it to the Spiegel Tent in Collingwood, the podcast should be available um, at cherchelafemme.com in the weeks after the event. I'm Amy Middleton. Please enjoy this sample of one of our standout feminist collectives here in Australia. And thanks for joining me for another episode of Women on the Line. All those people who thought that there were shady feminist cabals in operation, there, there are. are. <laughs> of course, I'm a product of the 70s. My mother and, and like hers had the discussion groups, um, which was consciousness raising, where they would have the local ladies, their mates, around for a lot of wine. Social FM is an explicitly feminist space. There have been a couple of workplaces where I've had to actually kick some asses and <laughs> have a few arguments with people before I can start doing work and working together with them. A total lack of understanding about gender can make a place sexist, can make a space sexist, rather than people being actively sexist or misogynistic or whatever. It's always harder to, to see the marks of misogyny and sexism in people who you really love. You never have to defend your feminism here. And we turned up and we threw these, like, dye-soaked tampons at the entire federal cabinet. And they just... They didn't know what... They couldn't even look at us. Like, the idea that we would out menstruation, you know, how... <laughs> I talk about shit and piss all the time. And I surround myself with people that talk about shit and piss. That was cheap. That was cheap. You shouldn't have laughed. You all degraded yourselves. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. And Dad said, it's because you're a girl. And I said, well, what do I do? And Dad said, fucking crush them. <laughs> We're going to get started. I'm going to start this month as I do every month by acknowledging that we're gathered on lands that were stolen from the people of the Kulin Nations and that it always was and always will be Aboriginal land and the effects of that crime are still very much being felt today. 
and I pay my respects to elders past and present, and I invite you to do the same now. And with that, we will begin. We will expand our number by one momentarily. Uh, I am your host, Karen Pickering, and you are at Shashala Femme. Uh, thank, <laughs> thank you so much for coming along. And uh, for those of you, especially who haven't been to a Shashala Femme before, uh, welcome to this particular community that convenes on the first Tuesday of every month uh, for the last five years now. And also touring around the country, we've recently taken in Adelaide, Sydney and Albury-Wodonga, or Wodonga-Albury, as the Victorians like to call it. And uh, we've had an amazing time, but it's always really good to come home to Melbourne and we're finding uh, making a home at the Melbourne Spiegel Tent to be uh, delightful. Thanks very much. So, uh, why does Shashal FM exist? Five years ago, I started it uh, because I was wanting to have conversations with other feminists and I wanted to put mics in front of them and invite other people to basically join big consciousness-raising groups um, that, uh, that I know in the 70s people had in their lounge rooms but that I thought we should just have at the pub. Um, and... So basically it was that I was a little bit sick of going to panel shows and different events and, and being told that the only voices that mattered and the only opinions that mattered were, were men, were male voices, and I wanted to really authorise and privilege women's voices. Uh, so you'll notice it's m usually mostly women on the panels, but the only rule is that they must be a feminist. So... The good thing about having a panel full of feminists is that you don't spend the whole night defending your feminism um, as you can at other events and you don't have to apologise for it and it means that we can dig a little bit deeper into some of the issues surrounding uh, gender equality and gender inequality rather than spending the whole time kind of being on the defensive. <laughs> so, uh, tonight's show uh, is being live tweeted by uh, our producers, Abby and Jess. And so if you follow us uh, on Twitter, it's at Shashala Femo. <laughs> and Shashala Femo was taken. <laughs> and uh, plus we're Australian. So, uh, and the hashtag is CLFLeft. Um, you're warmly encouraged and invited to spend as much time on your phone as you like at this show. Uh, and uh, just be aware that maybe if some of the things that we are talking about ever, you know, become a bit sensitive or become a little bit... Um, intense, maybe just be aware of what you're broadcasting out to a bigger audience and just be aware of your responsibility as a publisher. <laughs> so, um, why are we talking about feminism and the left tonight? Well, like I said, we don't have to explain why we're talking about feminism, we're all feminists. Um, uh, I'll be very surprised if there are people here tonight who don't identify as being part of the broad progressive left. Um, if, you, if you don't, then, you know... You've, you've got tonight to hear all the reasons why you should. Um, and the, we're going to talk about the, the left as a very broad, um, you know, um, concept, the progressive movement in total. Um, it obviously has a lot of overlaps and intersections with feminism as a movement, as a social movement. Um, it's worth pointing out that it is as big and as contested uh, and as internally divided as feminism... Uh, so we are going to proceed, proceed with respect and with, I hope, a, um, a balance of robust discussion and real talk as well as being um, 
avoiding getting uh, personal and avoiding becoming, uh, well, giving in to that temptation to become too high octane. Um, so thinking about tonight and thinking about pulling together the intro, I was, I was, I was doing, you know, my little, the little cogs in my brain were whirring and I was just thinking, how would you explain the left to someone who, you know, truly had no idea, like someone from outer space? And uh, it seems so intuitive and natural to me and I think I'm so immersed in different uh, parts of the progressive left that I couldn't really pin it down. So I Googled it. And here's something that I found, which I thought was just mind-blowing. Left-wing politics are political positions or activities that accept or support social equality, often in opposition to social hierarchy and social inequality. <laughs> so far, so rational. They typically involve concern for those in society who are perceived as disadvantaged relative to others, and a belief that there are unjustified inequalities that need to be reduced or abolished. Does that sound like a reasonable definition? So, who doesn't agree with that? <laughs> I just don't understand. So, that, that just blew my mind. I just started thinking, anyway, um, who would literally stand up and say, I am against social equality? and I believe in further entrenching social inequality. I can totally answer that yeah, question. Yeah, our no. government. <laughs> but, uh, so it's a bizarre thing. It, it made, made me think about people saying, um, I'm not a, f you know, I'm, I, I believe in gender equality, but I'm not a feminist. Or, and it made me think about all the people who wouldn't necessarily identify as left-wing, but who would have no problem with this definition um, and would, would identify themselves as a person who believed in equality, but wouldn't necessarily go that step further. Um, we don't have that problem with the panel tonight. <laughs> um, uh, we're very, very lucky to have all of them here. All of them do strongly identify as being uh, women of the left. All of them strongly identify as feminist. And uh, we're going to, just as a quick refresher, we're going to spend the first half of the show uh, just having a discussion among the panel. And then in the second half of the show, we're going to have questions from the audience. So what I'm going to do now is introduce the panel to you. And then we're going to have a chat about feminism and the left. So my first guest is the Executive Director of the Australian Institute of Employment Rights. She's an independent, uh, which she's not an independent not-for-profit organisation promoting labour rights, <laughs> although maybe she is. She is an independent person promoting labour rights. Prior to joining the uh, Institute, she worked as a lawyer, industrial officer in the union movement as a, and as a staffer to Federal Greens MPs, including Bob Brown. She also co-edits Green Agenda, an online publishing project promoting public discussion and debate on contemporary green politics and philosophy. And I'm delighted to welcome her to the CLF stage tonight. Please join me in welcoming Claire Ozich. Our next guest has graced the Shashal FM stage before, and I'm very, very happy to, yes, to have her back. Uh, she is a campaign organiser for the Victorian Trades Hall Council and is part of the trade union movement's national campaign to make the Abbott government a one-term government. <laughs> Don't you love that? She is also an advocate for women of colour and previously worked for Shakti Migrant and Refugee Women's Support Group as a domestic violence caseworker. She has been the chairperson for Minus 18, an LGBTIQ youth-run NGO, and the National Queer Officer for the National Union of Students. Yes, her passion 
is empowering marginalised groups to realise their political power and collectively organise for a better future. And I'm thrilled to present her tonight. Please welcome Hiba Casablanca. Yay. Our next guest is a theatre maker and novelist. I should say award-winning theatre maker and novelist. I've won lots of awards. Occasional, in lots of different countries. Too. Occasional broadcaster and critic. I wouldn't say you were occasionally a critic. I'd say you were more often a critic. I don't always get paid. She's a feminist, a bogan, and a troll fighter. Her experience is in cross-platform writing and editing, cabaret performance, public speaking and promotions, literary management and artistic direction, and general rabble-rousing. She has appeared on Q&A, Radio National. Three times. Sunrise. And is a regular columnist for The Guardian. And I am absolutely thrilled to have her next to me on the Sheshire FM stage. Once again, please welcome Van Batam. <laughs> and finally, by the skin of her teeth, our last guest has over 14 years of experience in the legal, education, human rights and women's sectors advocating for law reform and social change. She began her career as a lawyer in the public interest unit at Slater and Gordon, acting in a number of high-profile human rights cases. She's been an outspoken supporter of, federal, of the Federal Human Rights Act, which led her to found the National Human Rights Education Program. Human rights are Aussie rules at the Eastern Community Legal Centre. It's gorgeous. Love it. Between 2009 and 2011, she was the national coordinator of EMILY's List Australia, coordinating a gender-based 2010 federal election campaign to support the election of the first woman Prime Minister, Julia Gillard. After stepping down from this role, she took on the position of the organisation's inaugural research fellow. We're absolutely delighted to have her here. Please welcome Tanya Kovac. What a formidable lineup of incredible women. I will uh, just point out that everybody, nobody here is in, is here officially representing a party. Uh, nobody is here representing um, any political party, as far as um, I know, in their employ. And so we are appearing on the uh, panel as individuals who obviously have their own allegiances and come from different political traditions. And uh, the, and I also want to acknowledge that the left is obviously a lot bigger than party politics and, and electoral politics. Um, uh, but putting together panels is hard. And making sure you get a really good balance of people who are going to have a great rapport and who are going to be really confident and happy speaking and all available and all interested in the same thing at the same time is a bit of a juggling act. So I, a lot of us uh, have had party affiliations in the past or still do. Uh, we're going to think a bit more broadly about that as the show goes on. So, the first question I wanted to ask the panellists, um, and anyone can jump in and tell us uh, the answer to this first, is that why do you identify as left-wing? Uh, what politicised you? Well, I think to a large extent, um, Karen, you, um, your quote encapsulated a lot of it, and that is about the structural inequality that we both see and, I think, experience, and that's... Um, certainly part of uh, what politicised me in terms of the left. Uh, one of the key um, uh, experiences of my youth uh, that 
um, had a big impact on me was some laws. I'm, I'm from uh, Perth, over in Western Australia. Uh, were some laws that were passed um, by the government when I was a teenager uh, that were the first three strikes in your id laws. So they're the laws that if you um, commit three property crimes, you go to jail, mandatory, mandatory jail. Um, and these laws were going to have a profound impact um, on um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander youth in particular. Um, in fact, they were brought in um, on the back of a case that happened in WA where a, a, young, a woman and her child were killed by an a young Aboriginal man driving a car that led to just this most horrendous um, kind of public debate. And these laws were brought in. And um, I remember attending uh, meetings out in the outer suburbs of Perth um, and hearing the stories and, and the experiences of um, Aboriginal families out there and what these laws were going to do. And that that kind of, you know, that, that experience of, of listening to the, 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 the oppression they experienced on a daily lives and that the government... And, you know, unfortunately, it was the Carmen Lawrence government um, at the time, which I think made it in some ways even worse. You know, we're, we're going to make the situation of these people's lives that much worse. So I think, you know, for me, it's that, that structural oppression. Mm -hmm. About you, Hiba? Um, if I had to summarise it in a word, it would be justice, is what I think being left is about. Um, and to touch on what you were saying earlier about who would not identify with that definition... And I guess it would be people who believe that inequality exists because people choose it rather than the circumstances in their lives. And for me, what, I think what politicised me was when I had to leave home um, at 21 because my family wasn't being accepting of the fact that I was queer. And I wasn't homeless by choice. Um, it was a matter of survival. And... There were services, there were friends, there were communities that supported me through that time. And for me, being left is about that. It's understanding that no one chooses inequality and that when people work collectively and they support each other, we can create a better society. Well, um, I grew up in a family where I didn't realise we were working class until people started treating us as if we were working class. Um, I came from a family of bogans. Um, I was the first, uh, first in family to go to university. But long before that happened, I had this rather extraordinary experience when, because my dad was in the gaming industry, which is the flash term for those of you too genteel to have the experience for gambling. <laughs> and um, because it was an industry where you could be a smart man without a university education and make a little bit of money. And when I say a little bit of money, I don't mean middle class levels of money. I mean, working class levels of, of good money where you have, you make money on horses to spend on horses. And, um, and when my dad, when I was 10, my dad lost his job. He was working for an RSL club in Sydney. And we lived in a particularly zhuzhi part. I had no idea we lived in a zhuzhi part of town. We lived in a block of flats out the back of the RSL. But I went to the local, um, pub, I went to the local state school, but I was in an opportunity class, this awful thing they have in New South Wales, where they stream children if they can read. And, um, and when my dad lost his job, my whole family went to pieces. Um, my mum, who hadn't been working because she was looking after me, went out working. Um, my dad had a full-on nervous breakdown because he felt that he had failed in his provider role. Um, the experience of working-class families and unemployment is horrific, and it was awful. Like, I'd never seen my father cry until that point. And um, 
and because my mother wasn't sort of tending to me and I was going to school with my hair a bit ratty and looking a bit crazy, the judgment of the other kids at school made me realise that there was something really different about me. And what it came down to was the fact that I didn't realise it at the time, but I was the only bug in, in that class. And being rough and a bit vulgar w had, uh, had upset the genteel sensibilities of, of my classmates. And it sort of... It was the first time I really sort of felt apart and realised that things were different for me because of the class that I was from, even though I couldn't articulate that at the time. And certainly by the time I got to university, I, I, I had that, that realisation that I was considered to be lesser and stupider and less capable because of my accent, because of my family, because of the work that my dad did. And I found that sense of injustice absolutely infuriating. When I um, got involved in student politics, which is how I met my beloved friend Tanya here, we were in different factions, which I think is also important <laughs> to recognise, um, talking about the left. I went to a left caucus at Melbourne Uni and, um, and a woman who was in the, uh, in the caucus spoke to me as if I was a servant. And I just thought, I am a better communist than you and I will spend the rest of my life destroying everything you value. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you mentioned the factions on the left no, and nobody splits those hairs finer than university politicians. We're uh, all friends now. So yeah, exactly. Uh. Now you're like, we're all on the same side, but back then, don't even come near me. Tanya, what about you? How did you become um, a, a bleeding heart lefty? I think it is a process of, of layering over your life experiences and like Van, I also... Um, there are a lot of people who talk about being working class and talk about blue-collar lifestyle, but my dad literally did come home every night wearing a blue collar, a three-quarter length coat because he was a toolmaker in a factory for those that um, very noble industry, the automotive industry, of which we are soon to have no more. And had that um, had the decision around um, the automotive industry, that we, the, the decisions that the Abbott government had made, we too would have been in the situation right now as a family of being pretty much on the poverty line. Mm. And, um, you know, like, you have personal experiences like that that I think layer over time, a disabled grandfather, a state school education, being a WOG, a second-generation migrant, the direct experience of being discriminated against. But then, in the face of all of that, deciding to choose to put a love of humanity and a love of, of wanting to see the world to be a better place and a more um, encompassing place for difference to be the way that you respond to it. Instead of turning insular, you turn external and want to see the change and to bring about a richness in, in the social fabric. Mm. And, you know, I think the, one of the differences or, or things that I see in activists who devote their whole life to being in the left is the notion, and being involved in left politics, is the notion that those personal experiences of feeling marginalised or feeling um, sort of framed out of the, of the world become a, a part of being active, of wanting to be active. Mm -hmm. And that's um, particularly um, relevant in my life, th this experience that you had, um, because I, uh, I came to identify as, as left-wing um, when I you know, got away from my, my family and my, my parents who are right-wing extremists. Um, yeah. So my, my... Doing good, Karen. Right? 
So my dad in particular is a classic example of the person who grew up in extreme poverty and because he was a smart kid got streamed out of, you know, had to leave school because the school couldn't, uh, the family couldn't afford to keep him there, but then he joined the Air Force and became a pilot. Um, so he completely internalised the idea that he must have worked harder, he must have been more deserving, and that he, he had pulled himself up by his bootstraps and so therefore other people could do the same. And so anyone who didn't um, have that experience that he had of, of getting out of poverty somehow was defective. Um, and so there's that, there's that kind of turning inwards that happens so often where people kind of get up the ladder of opportunity and then just pull up the ladder behind them. <laughs> um, I saw my dad do that and it all, it, so my normal, like the normal feelings of teenage rebellion actually hardened into an entire political <laughs> ideology as I realised, you are wrong. <laughs> um, not just like, because like I'm stroppy and I hate you, but like you're actually wrong. <laughs> um, and so yeah, it's been from then on a very, you know, separate path between me and the rest of my family. Thanks very much to the organisers of Cherche LFM for letting us uh, share their audio time and time again um, and just expressing our solidarity once again with um, the group, uh, with Tess Holiday and all the people behind uh, this fabulous coming together of feminist minds that happens regularly in Melbourne. The music that you've heard during this episode of Women on the Line was Rat-a-tat-tat by Cash Savage and The Last Drinks. Thanks for joining us again for Women on the Line. Women on the Line is Community Radio's National Women's Current Affairs Program. It's produced and presented by a group of women at 3CR Melbourne and broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network with funding support from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The theme music for Women on the Line is Slideshow at Free University by Latigra. Women on the Line can be downloaded from our website, womenontheline.org.au, or download the podcast at 3cr.org.au slash podcast. I'm Amy Middleton. Tune in next time for another edition of Women on the Line. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.